Good morning. Today is Sunday, May 17th, 2020. Today is the 38th day of the Omer. This week's Parsha, the Parsha Bamidbar, begins the fourth book of the Torah, the Book of Bamidbar. And in our Parsha, we begin to learn about the organization and structure of the tribes as they traveled 40 years from Egypt to Israel. Each tribe had a nasi, a prince, the head of the tribe. And at the beginning of the Parsha, we learn the names of each of these nasiim, these princes, and we learn that the nasi for the tribe of God was Eliasaf ben Deuel. Eliasaf, the son of Deuel. The problem is that in the next chapter, his name is repeated, Vanasi Livne God, Eliasaf ben Reuel. It's a different name. The Nasi for the tribe of God is Eliasaf, the son of Reuel, with a resh, not Deuel, with a dalit. So, which was the name? Was it Deuel or Reuel? And why the discrepancy? So, I'm sure there are multiple answers to this, but the following answer is given by Rabbi Chaim Azulai, and he says that the correct name is Reuel. Made a mistake. He says that the correct name is Deuel, with a Dalit. But he is sometimes called Reuel as a reward, as a title of honor, because Reuel means friend of God. In other words, to indicate that El Yosef was not just a holy person and not just a leader, but he was a friend of God. And that's because our rabbis explain that El Yosef, the son of Deuel, had a reason to be upset. He had a reason to protest the structure that was being laid out. The reason is not important for us now. But he did not protest. There was another tribe. There was a person who was younger, who was given an honor that should have gone to him. It was not fair. And he had a reason, a legitimate reason to be upset, but he remained silent. And we all know that takes tremendous self-control. And he was rewarded for all time by the Torah referring to him sometimes as Eliasaf ben Reuel, Eliasaf, the son of one who is a friend of God. I own a set of svarim in my library known as Stechemed. Many people who study Talmud have this set. It's about this many volumes, I think maybe 12, 14 volumes. And for many years, I used them regularly, very often. And I confess that I have not used this set in several years. And the reason is as follows. This, this set, Stechemed, was written by Rabbi Chizkiya Medini in the mid-1800s in Israel. It's the first 
Encyclopedia of Talmudic Law. So what he did is he took 1,800 years of Talmudic discussion, all the Gemara, all the commentaries, 800, 1,800 years of discussion, and he distilled it and organized it into a work that is so magnificent it's so easy to find what you're looking for and it is so comprehensive and it is presented so clearly. I don't use it so often now because a lot of it is now on the internet. A lot of it is on Safari. A lot of it is in the Barilan Responsa project. And I have a set, which is a new set that's being worked on now, called Talmudic Encyclopedia. That set has 300 scholars working on it. They've been working on it for decades. So far, they're up to volume 43. They're only about halfway through. But Rav Medici, Rav Badini, basically wrote the equivalent of the Encyclopedia Britannica. And the amazing thing is he did it by himself. He did it with no internet, no library, no index, no resources, all from memory. It is literally an unbelievable achievement, not figuratively, but literally unbelievable. Not only to memorize thousands and thousands of pages of dense material, but then to be able to distill it and organize it and present it in a way that is so usable, it's incredible. So here's an amazing story about this man, Rabbi Mendini. He was studying the yeshiva in Israel and there was another student in this yeshiva who was jealous of him and didn't like the fact that Rabbi Medini got so much attention. Now the truth is, Rabbi Medini never considered himself a very smart person and certainly did not consider himself a person with a very good memory. But he told his family that because of the story I'm about to tell you, his life changed. So he's in this yeshiva. There's another fellow who is jealous of him. And this fellow does something terrible, inexcusable. This fellow goes over to a non-Jewish woman who comes in every day to clean the yeshiva. And this fellow gives a bribe to this woman to make an accusation against Rabbi Medini that he had acted inappropriately in a certain way. The woman was very poor. She could barely support her family by cleaning up in this yeshiva. And she took the money and she spread the false report. Now, the truth is that the head of the yeshiva didn't really believe this report. It was unthinkable, a person of Rabbi Medini's character. But it didn't help. His reputation was ruined. He was embarrassed and ashamed and he had to leave humiliated and he was on his own. 
Sometime later, the bribe many ran out. And this woman who had accepted the bribe had no food left to feed her children. So she went to Rabbi Medini and she said to him, listen, I want to confess to you I did a terrible sin. And I know that what I did was wrong. He paid me a bribe. I should not have done it, but I did it. I did it to feed my children. It was wrong. Please forgive me. And I just ask that you contact the yeshiva and ask them to hire me back because I don't have any way to feed my family. And I feel so bad about what I did to you. So at first, Rabbi Medini was very tempted to take up the offer. He would have been able to clear his name to get back his reputation. But then he thought to himself, what's going to happen if I do that? Already there has been one chilashem, one desecration of God's name, that news gets out that there is a scholar in Israel that did something reprehensible. It was not true, but the word gets out, the damage is done. God's name is desecrated. I'm going to come along and reveal the fact that in fact, I did not do anything, but someone else did something. Someone else framed me with this woman. What's the result of that? The result of that is simply that there will be two acts of Chilol Hashem. Two actions that desecrate God's name. Not only will people say it was one person acting inappropriately, but, another, but, but there was another person who acted in a despicable fashion, hiring this woman to lie. And therefore what he did was, he went to the head of the yeshiva, he swore him to secrecy, and he urged him to hire this woman back on the condition that she nor he would ever reveal the actual story. It's an amazing, incredible act of selflessness, thinking not from the point of view of what's best for me, but from the point of view of what's best for God. But then Rabbi Medini told his family an amazing thing. He said that after that happened, though up until then he had been an average student with no particularly agile memory, after that happened, he was a changed person. He found that he could study something and never have to look at it again. It was memorized. He found that whatever he had studied in the past was as if he was seeing it in front of his eye at that time. And he was able to sit down and write this work, this incredible work that put together all of the learning of over 1,800 years of Talmudic study into this form. And he attributed it to an ability that came to him as a result of not complaining when he could have complained. That's the lesson of the Stechemed, Rabbi Medini. And that's the lesson of El Yosef ben Deuel, who is also sometimes known to us as El Yosef ben Ruel, a true friend of God. It's hard to do. 
It takes tremendous self-control. But simply paying attention to the slight, subtle difference in name in our Parsha, we can remind ourselves that we too could be capable of not speaking up and complaining even when we have a right to. I wish it for you. I wish it for me. My friends, have a great day.